Welcome to I'll Be Dashed, a Woodhouse podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Scott. And we are a father-daughter duo who read and discuss the works of P.G. Woodhouse. Today we are going to be discussing Carry On Jeeves, uh, a collection of 10 short stories, some of which we have seen before uh, with slight modifications, and one which was a Reggie Pepper short story that has been changed to be a Jeeves and Worcester story. It is the second to last collection of Jeeves and Worcester short story collections. After the next one, everything will be novels. There will be a few Jeeves and Worcester short stories, but they won't be in their own collections. They'll just be in Woodhouse uh, story collections. The book was published in 1925 in the UK and 1927 in the US. We're going to go ahead and get started with the first story called Jeeves Takes Charge, which is the story of how uh, Jeeves and Worcester first got together. How they first got together. Starting <laughs> already, okay. <laughs> Bertie narrates about Jeeves and how some people, particularly his Aunt Agatha, think Jeeves has too much power over Bertie, which probably means she feels she should have more herself. Bertie says he's fine with it and gave up trying to run his own life within a week of Jeeves coming into it, which is not entirely accurate. He does try to make small claims that never seem to work out. <laughs> uh, Bertie had discovered his previous valet, Meadows, had been stealing from him and had fired him. He asked the registry office for another valet, and they sent him Jeeves. And I think I pronounced that two different ways within there. <laughs> Did I say that the first time? No. Oh, I didn't register that you said uh, that word the first time. Oh. The morning that Jeeves comes in, Bertie had had quite the evening before having supper with the lads. In addition, in addition, he was trying to read a book his fiancee, Florence Cray, wanted him to read. Types mm -hmm. of ethical theory, which is just the type a book you know that Bertie loves to read. <laughs> Jeeves, we are led to believe, and rightly so, immediately understands what type of condition Bertie was in. And he goes into the kitchen preparing a drink with ingredients including Worcestershire sauce, a raw egg, and red pepper. Bertie drinks it and immediately feels better. Well, after feeling like a bomb went off in his head, but then he feels better. <laughs> he hires Jeeves. Jeeves sees a picture of Florence on the mantelpiece and says he had, had that he had had at one point been in Lord Wilspiston's <laughs> employ. <laughs> the, the Lord was uh, Florence's father. Wilpiston, that's it. Why did you do that, Woodhouse? <laughs> <laughs> Bertie thinks about the eccentricity of Florence's father and of his temper and then thinks that Florence is in some ways like her father, except that she has a beautiful profile. I, sorry, I had thoughts about that. Just, we'll get to it. But I had thoughts about that description. Okay. You could share them now if you want, but would you rather wait to the end? Mm -hmm. Or after you've taken a bite? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay. Bertie lets him know he and Florence are engaged and Jeeves is perfectly professional, and yet Bertie felt as if Jeeves did not care for Florence. Bertie receives a telegram from Florence telling him to return immediately. 
As with all messages sent to Birdie, the sender doesn't take the opportunity to explain exactly why. <laughs> Birdie decides to go. Jeeves asks what he is going to be wearing, and Birdie says the suit he has on. <laughs> Jeeves is again professional, uh, more so than when he is in a in Birdie's employee longer, but Birdie consents his disapproval. Birdie asks him about it, and Jeeves offers a suggestion. Birdie doesn't take it well, and he thinks that he's made his point. I'm sure that that got through. <laughs> they get to the destination, and Birdie goes to talk to Florence. She talks about his uncle Willoughby, who controls Birdie's money, and obviously passes before we get to see Birdie in other stories. Because I don't recall him coming up again. I'm sure he probably has, but he. Well, yeah, obviously not in this collection, but I don't really recall him coming up in later novels. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he had written some family history and read it to Florence, but it was actually his reminiscence. His Reminiscences? <laughs> I think we're both pronouncing it incorrectly, but... Did, did I say it wrong? Did <laughs> I add too many reminiscences? <laughs> <laughs> his memories... <laughs> <laughs> and she finds them horrifying there are horrible things about her father and a particularly bad one about lord emsworth one of the few times that there is any overlap between the two series i noticed that hey i don't recall any other overlap but there may be mm -hmm. uh, i will also point out that this storyline occurs again in blanding's castle the, oh, really? The person writing uh, a book that some people find embarrassing and want to mm. have something done with it. Yes, it comes up again. Okay. Uh, what's worse is that Bertie's uncle has found a publisher for it. Florence says the parcel must be destroyed. Bertie rightly asks how she is going to do it. <laughs> she says she is going to a dance at night and he must do it. And that's a point where I'm like, yo, dump her ass. <laughs> but Birdie can't do that. Florence starts the emotional blackmail. And, um, <laughs> what? No, I mean, that's true. You are accurate. <laughs> Tell me if I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad they don't get married. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Yes, why not get Edwin to do it? Edwin being her brother and in Bertie's opinion, just the type of sort who would like this. Edwin is a Boy Scout, <laughs> which I assume means the same in the UK as here and takes the responsibilities very seriously. Doesn't execute them well. Uh, Bertie agrees and leaves, meeting Jeeves, who tells him that someone has been polishing his black shoes with brown polish. Mm. Okay, that's what was wrong. I was confused at that part. I didn't... I think I skipped over the part where it said black polish with brown shoes, or vice versa. Uh, okay, that makes uh, more sense. I'm like, I'm like, why is that, why is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> After an unrestful night, Bertie makes his play when his uncle leaves the parcel on a table. Bertie grabs it and goes into his room where he finds Edwin, who says he's tidying Bertie's room. It has something to do with his acts of kindness, which never seem to turn out kind. 
as he is also the one who polished Bertie's shoes. Mm -hmm. Bertie tries to suggest the room is tidy enough, but Edwin feels he should do more. Bertie regrets that he might have to murder the child. <laughs> and, it, and again, I must point out, we're getting Woodhouse's feelings about children. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Bertie suggests he snips cigars for him, and while he believes the kid isn't looking, he locks the parcel in a drawer. Bertie wonders how to get rid of the manuscript himself, but can't think of anything. Next day, his uncle says he contacted the publishers and they didn't receive the manuscript. And the butler says he did not recall seeing the manuscript on the table. His uncle believes it's been stolen as well as other objects in the house over the past weeks. These are explained by Meadows, of course, which is one of the reasons he was fired. <laughs> mm -hmm. Later, Bertie, through an open window, hears Edwin talking to his uncle about Bertie. He believes Bertie has the parcel. He really should have done that whole murdering Edwin thing. Edwin suggests Bertie is a kleptomaniac and possibly a master thief like A.J. Raffles, which is our second mention of A.J. Raffles mm -hmm. in uh, these books. Uh, and also, not necessary to read those books because I've read some of them. Bertie decides to run and move the parcel but finds he doesn't have the key. Is that your cat or my cat? That's mine. Okay. His uncle comes up and says a previous guest left something and he wants to search search for it. Jeeves comes up and says he found the key in his trousers. Jeeves, practicing his skill of overhearing conversations, <laughs> otherwise known as eavesdropping, had overheard Bertie and Florence and had moved the parcel. They planned to take it to London and dispose of it there. It turns out, however, that Jeeves sent the package to the publisher and Florence dumps Bertie. Bertie fires Jeeves. Jeeves, no longer being employed, feels free to express his opinions of Florence. They are not good. The next day, after thinking it over, Bertie re-engages Jeeves and says he can pass on a suit. And setting up a pattern, Jeeves has already done so. On the very first page, where Bertie sort of admits that Jeeves is his keeper, and he pretty much says, it's like, well, the man's a genius, so why not? Like, yeah, that's that's that tracks. It, um, I, I do have to put in my, I don't agree that Jeeves is a genius, or if he is a genius, that I don't think he uses genius in helping Bertie. Well, no, I mean, I don't think he's a genius. I think he's manipulative, <laughs> but in an enjoyable way <laughs> to me. I did sort of wonder, because the chapter starts with Bertie sort of explaining that, you know, he had fired his previous valet because of stealing. And you'll appreciate this. I acknowledge, like, how... I said, is theft different from when Jeeves has given away his stuff before Bertie says that he can? Like, are those two things different? <laughs> well, in the sense that both of them are technically stealing, no. But if I were to guess, mm -hmm. one, Jeeves doesn't admit what he's done till Bertie has already said yeah. he can do it. And two, Jeeves doesn't steal to keep. 
that that is a good point that seems to be a little bit different than meadows that's fair um oh okay so the thing about florence it's said repeatedly that like she has a beautiful profile which for people who don't know is when you're seeing like the side of someone's face so i'm just like after the third or fourth time where Bernie's like, she has a beautiful profile. Like, so is she not attractive, like head on? Like if you're looking directly at her face, is she not attractive then? She's only attractive if you're looking at her sideways. I mean, that could be. <laughs> I mean, because Bernie isn't one to like just outright come out and, and insult a woman. Sure. So that could be a little sideswipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More than one way. I mean, true. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, I, I was just like, well, that's an interesting way to say that. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. Damn, she ugly. <laughs> right? Like, that's kind of like, so she's not attractive. Like, it's, it's the same thing of like, oh, this person's really attractive in this light. It's like, so... Not otherwise. Okay. I I made a comment when Bernie's like getting dressed and Jeeves make a comment about like what he's wearing. And Bernie's like, oh no, I have to I have to stop that. He's not gonna control me. And I sort of made a comment, I'm like, good job. Good job with that. <laughs> you get used to that. Yeah. I, I, I will say that is one of my complaints about Jeeves and Worcester, and I will spoil a little bit by telling you that it fades away when mm -hmm. we get to the novels, which is a very good thing for me. Sure. Because it's going to appear again in the next book, uh, Very Good Jeeves, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, kind of had enough of this. <laughs> sure. Well, it, and it is very repetitive you know it's in like half the stories in this collection alone so i i do i'm not going to be upset when it fades away yeah <laughs> so i have to read these two notes back to back okay uh my first note was ah cousin marrying and my second note was so not cousins i was confused about why florence was at Bertie's uncle's house and like living there. And so I'm like, so are they cousins? I don't, they're not, I think. Because uh, Bertie's cousin, no, Bertie's uncle wrote the book about Florence's father, who I assume is a friend. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised brother. if they're related distantly somehow. Yeah. And so, like, so, like, I'm not in that time period marrying cousins was way more common so i'm not like poo-pooing it at all uh in the context of the time <laughs> i would sort of poo-poo it now uh, you heard it here. robin wants to marry your cousin <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like i felt like how everyone was connected wasn't explained super well so i was confused <laughs> Honestly, I kind of just skipped over that part. Yeah. <laughs> over, but I just kind of it read it and it didn't really register. Sure, yeah. Um, when Lord Emsworth was mentioned, I did note that and I said <laughs> <laughs> I 
I did pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that I read all when I started to read Woodhouse, I read all the cheese and Worcester books first before I got to Blanding's Castle. So mm -hmm. when I first read this, it made no impression on me. Sure. So when Florence is, you know, emotionally blackmailing Bertie into theft, uh, yes. <laughs> she, she makes a comment where she's like, if you have the resource and courage to carry this thing through, I will take it as evidence that you are not the vapid and shiftless person most people think you. If you fail, I shall know that your Aunt Agatha was right when she called you a spineless invertebrate and advised me strongly not to marry you. And I said, rude. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, like, there's this book is just like, here's 10 different stories of Bernie not only being taken advantage of, but people being incredibly rude to my sweet cinnamon roll. <laughs> I mean, yes. And that's one of the reasons why I'm happy that Woodhouse went to novels. It's mm -hmm. not like people aren't still rude to him. Sure. But the way it's spaced out is better, and mm -hmm. oftentimes the uh, people who are rude are cl clearly marked as mm -hmm. antagonists. Yeah. And also, no actual appearances of Aunt Agatha. <laughs> I will say, like, obviously we've talked before about how I bear some semblance to Birdie. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I take it as a personal attack when people are mean to Birdie because I know, and Birdie acknowledges it as well. Like, he has his moments where he's a little ditzy, just as I do. But I don't need people to say it directly in my fucking face. <laughs> and that's why I usually text you. Thanks. <laughs> like, I know that. I know I have moments. Also, that didn't take long for the F-bomb. <laughs> well, people were mean to Birdie, so you should have predicted that. And then later when Birdie said, I didn't want to murder the kid, and yet there didn't seem any other way of shifting him. My comment was like, okay, I get it, but there are other options. <laughs> this is one of those times where... You just have to murder someone. Take it for granted that Woodhouse doesn't like kids. And well, no, and be fair, Edwin is annoying. He's annoying, and I can appreciate the desire to murder a child, but it shouldn't be seriously considered. I well, he wasn't seriously considered, <laughs> and I also when want to murder Edwin. But I mean, if Edwin happened to fall out a window. Purely by accident, things sure. happen. <laughs> Bertie's like, he's like, the organization of the Boy Scouts is teaching children to be nosy and too involved in other people's business, and it's personally screwing me over. Um, and I just, my note was like, or you can not steal things, and then you don't have anything to worry about. To be fair. <laughs> This isn't the worst crime Birdie would it's have not. committed in this book. In this book, it is not the worst crime. That is true. That is very true. It's a good point. I mean, we both 
really like Bertie, but I mean, yeah, he he has committed crimes. <laughs> Several. <laughs> I guess that's that's one thing I have going for me over Bertie is that I haven't committed many crimes. So proud of you. You're welcome. Don't. <laughs> okay, I won't mention that. <laughs> You have not was, committed any crimes. I was like, this is the part where I do wish, like, we can include video components. Because the look on your face, I'm like, <laughs> I know exactly what you're thinking of, and don't. <laughs> we are moving on. Did you have any more notes on this story? No, that was it. Okay. Uh, we are moving on to the artistic career of Corky. Watch if you've listened to us before. Was also in My Man Jeeves. There are slight differences in this, but nothing that one would really notice. <laughs> I didn't notice any changes. I there, thought it was the exact same. There was like a, a slight change to the beginning of the story. He <laughs> just removed some parts that he was talking about Jeeves in. And I, I think like the title of a painting or something was changed. I don't know if there is anything else. Bertie explains why he's in New York uh, because of Aunt Agatha who sent him to prevent a cousin from marrying a girl because she's too lazy to do the damn thing herself. <laughs> well, why do people keep making Bertie do tasks for them? Well, calling him a moron who can't yeah. do anything right. That's the thing that's confusing me. Like, you either. Go to him to be your fixer, essentially. Or you call him an idiot. You can't do both. <laughs> or it's like, let's have him do it. He'll fail. And then that'll give us an excuse to treat him mm -hmm. like crap. <laughs> yeah. He met a lot of chaps, including a portrait painter, just one who hasn't done any portraits yet. Because to do portraits, you got to get people to hire you. To get people to hire you, you can do portraits. Uh, he had the portrait artist, Corky, uh, had done the occasional comic, having a gift for the humorous. He has a rich uncle with all the problems having a rich uncle who controls the purse strings has. <laughs> His uncle wants him in the jute business. And if you recall, jute is used to make fabrics. I don't recall. Okay. <laughs> is used to make fabrics. <laughs> you can't give me more information than that? No. <laughs> Why not? It, it's like, okay, he's in the jute business. What's jute? Oh, it's used to make fabrics. That's all I need to know. Well, you look that up, I will continue reading. <laughs> his uncle is also very into birds and had written a book about them and is writing another. Corky would talk to him about birds, making getting his allowance easier. One day, Corky comes to Bertie with a Miss Singer, who he introduced as his fiance. They have come to Bertie for help in how to break it to the uncle. Muriel Singer, Bertie sees as the type of woman who would make a man want to defend her by force if necessary, but he doesn't see why Corky's uncle would have an issue with her. Uncle is stubborn, Corky says, so they must find a way for him to approve of Muriel before knowing she is Corky's fiance. Bertie calls for Jeeves. Did you find something about Jute? 
it's a type of fiber um uh mostly coming from india okay that's that's what i know okay i even because i originally typed in jute that didn't mean much except the fiber <laughs> but it's a plant that a fiber comes from and i added jute business and then i learned about india so that's <laughs> it's that's also I, a lot of cricket <laughs> yeah like that's what i know it all connects <laughs> jeeves suggests having muriel write a book on birds and dedicating it to courtney's uncle of course she wouldn't be the person actually writing it they'd hire that out which would cost birdie money because sure why not the scheme works and the uncle writes to muriel to make her acquaintance birdie loses sight of corky for a bit but then one day he runs into muriel he asks if she's waiting for corky she's not and she's also left the stage i guess i forgot that she used to work mm -hmm. on stage she's a dancer or something yeah birdie assumes because she is married and she says she is but then she calls her husband over and it's Corky's uncle. <laughs> Bertie makes excuses and goes to tell Jeeves. Jeeves, the genius, remember, mm -hmm. that that was always a possibility. <laughs> Bertie tries to avoid Corky and sees in the paper later that Muriel has given birth to a son. Bertie then feels like he must see Corky and goes to his place and finds him there with a baby. It turns out that the baby is Muriel's and his uncle's and he has been commissioned to paint a painting of the baby but <laughs> it's kind of a dick move i mean i understand the uncle doesn't know about it but yeah muriel does yeah muriel knows so it's like what <laughs> birdie expresses his sympathy and again decides to avoid him as much as possible corky calls him one day and wants him to come to his studio he's finished the portrait but it doesn't seem quite right, and he wants some moral support. Bertie says he'll come, but he insists on bringing Jeeves. Bertie looks at the portrait. He says the baby had been ugly, showing us again how much Ross uh, likes kids, but perhaps not as ugly as the portrait. Quirky had been afraid of that. Jeeves also agrees in his way that the baby looks a bit hideous and probably drunk. <laughs> The uncle comes in, looks at, looks at the portrait, and asks if it's a joke. He says Corky must give up painting and show up to his office or be cut off. Jeeves has a suggestion for Corky. He suggests he bring the portrait to a newspaper for a series of humorous drawings. Jeeves also suggests for the title, The Adventures of Baby Blobs. Uh, we end the story with Jeeves mixing Bertie's clothing choices. So because we've already read this story, I didn't have a ton of notes. <laughs> okay. So I was like, this is very familiar. <laughs> yeah. So. I do remember that of all of Birdie's friends, Corky is one of the least offensive. <laughs> that is true. And that is something I acknowledge later. Corky and Biffy? Biffy. Biffy, Biffy, Biffy. is one of them. But as yeah. you pointed out, a lot of them have the uh, E ending yeah. to the name. Yeah. So. so Corky and another one um, are like the really good friends and all the rest of them suck. So, but I, I did acknowledge that later. Okay. Um, 
so at the beginning when <laughs> when Bertie is you know pretty much saying like he doesn't he's in New York because he's trying to avoid the UK and Aunt Agatha and having long cozy chats with her about the whole business and I said that like having now met her I understand this because the first time I read it I hadn't met her yet <laughs> so now I get it I, I really dislike Aunt Agatha mm -hmm. I'm glad that the novels particularly mm -hmm. use Aunt Dahlia more than Aunt Agatha yeah she seems nice she, we'll meet her later. she will insult him but it comes across mm -hmm. as more teasing than yeah than actual opinion yeah <laughs> <laughs> he does have her moments where I'm kind of like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, when Bertie is sort of like, oh, I have a friend who's a portrait artist, but he doesn't do portrait work because he can't get anyone to sit with him because he doesn't have a reputation because he hasn't painted any portraits. That whole thing, um, which is now the third time I've read that, but two of them have been about Corky, so I guess it's still twice. <laughs> but I, I, my note was just like, ah, oh, yes, Corky, the start of the portrait painter runaround, because that's how I remembered. I was like, oh yeah, it was Corky who was the, the painter. Bertie essentially says like, he's talking about Corky and says whatever step he took in any direction on his own account was just another proof of his innate idiocy. I should imagine you feels very much the same about me. And my comment was, no. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, we will see later uh, mm -hmm. how Jeeves feels about Birdie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, and then, okay, so this whole time I was reading the story, and you and I talked about this because I asked the question a couple days ago. I was trying to remember if this was a Jeeves Wooster story I had read before, if it was a Reggie Pepper I had read mm -hmm. story I had read before. And so my note was like, when it started sounding very familiar, I made a note of like, this has to be one of the stories we've read before. I can't imagine this as a Reggie Pepper. <laughs> no. <'Cause> it wasn't. <laughs> what does de depilatory mean? Depilatory. That's to remove hair, I believe. I was like, you know, let me look it up. If I'm wrong, I can just remove that so I don't look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's for hair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I saw that word and I'm like, I don't know what that means. So I just put question marks. Okay. <laughs> And instead of Googling and using dictionary, I just ask you. Yeah. No, I, I like that you say, like, oh, this is something I could Google. I'll just ask dad instead. Yeah. And oftentimes he'll Google. <laughs> well, it's something, it's it's the whole like classroom philosophy, right? If I have a question about it, someone else might have a question about it. So I'll ask to help the class. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they all thank you. <laughs> okay, those are my notes. All right. The next story is Jeeves and the Unbidden Guest. This is another story that appeared in My Man Jeeves with very, very minor differences. I don't even recall what the differences are. 
I didn't notice any. Uh, Bertie is feeling tip top. He had actually put his foot down with Jeeves about some <laughs> which I'm sure will work out quite well for Bertie. Jeeves tells him that a lady Malvern is waiting for him along with her son. Bertie realizes she is a friend of Aunt Agatha's, always a bad sign. And then Jeeves tries to correct him on a tie choice. Chiefs need to chill. <laughs> uh, Bertie goes to meet Lady Malvern, and she says, Aunt Agatha told her to look him up, and she just did. Aunt Agatha said he would do anything to his sister, and what Lady Malvern wants him to do is put up her son, Marty, while she is away. Uh, <laughs> which is really the type of thing you, you ask somebody you don't know. <laughs> Uh, she's writing a book on America, including conditions in American prisons, and obviously poor little Maddie is too delicate for that. That's basically her phrasing. She says that Maddie is a vegetarian. He's not. And a teetotaler. He's not. And then she gets up, and the two of them leave. Bertie goes to Jeeves for sympathy and receives exactly the amount Jeeves would give to someone wearing a pink tie. Bertie sees no options. Monty comes and Bertie goes to the club and soon forgets about him. He comes back to see Monty's luggage still there and asks Jeeves if he had gone to bed. Nope, he still hasn't returned. At that moment, there is a thud at the door. It is Monty who has passed out and Jeeves and Bertie bring him to his bed. The next day, Monty is fine, having received one of Jeeves' hangover cures. Monty says he plans to get drunk every night. When Bertie asks, what about him, since he's supposed to look out for Marty, Marty essentially says, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking to curb Marty, Bertie goes out with him. That's the last time he says to himself, because he's getting too old for this shit, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. After that, Bertie doesn't see much of Marty, who had late nights pretty much every night. And, of course, Jeeves is still holding on to his grudge. Which, I mean, it, it makes sense because if Jeeves isn't holding on to his grudge, then this gets solved pretty easily. Yeah. Marty starts bringing guys to the residence to party longer, which doesn't do Bertie any favors with the management. Bertie comes in one night and has his pants sniffed at by a dog that Marty won. I didn't hear you come in or I would have warned you, Jeeves says. I do not believe him. <laughs> Bertie is having none of this and decides to go spend some time with Rocky Todd uh, who we will actually see later. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, Rocky is a frightful boar and Bertie is back within a week. The dog is gone. Marty, having been nipped at by the dog himself, gave it to the porter who sold it. Oh, and also Marty is in prison. For assaulting a constable. Bertie worries about Lady Malvern and Jeeves suggests Bertie say Marty has gone to Boston. Lady Malvern returns and is quite cold. Bertie says Marty is in Boston and she wonders how that is so as she is while doing research in, on prison, seen Marty there in pinstripes. 
Jeeves steps in and says, Maudie went to prison voluntarily to help with her research. Uh, Lady Malvern leaves, please. Bertie tells Jeeves to burn the tie and buy the shoes he wanted for Bertie and also gives him $100, partially to pay Maudie because he had bet the young man he would not punch a passing policeman. <laughs> Which I, I went through that rather quickly, but again, we have we have story already. No, I have a couple notes. <laughs> well, because again, we've read this one already. Well, at least the next story collection has all new stories. <laughs> That'll be helpful. Um, can't have new thoughts if it's not a new story. I mean, you can. No, I can't. Because <laughs> we did that one months and months ago. <laughs> I mean, I have some. I, I think that was in the second book we read, so that was like January or February. Yeah. So it's like Eight months along. I have some new thoughts, just not a lot. Okay. Bertie, I have a lot of a lot of issues with how Woodhouse starts the short stories. Okay. Because I disagree. Um. So, for example, You're starting the story. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because he usually like he usually is like setting the scene. <laughs> He's usually like setting the scene and Bertie's doing something and then someone arrives, right? So in this one, <laughs> you're so confused. I'm just waiting to see where we end up. <laughs> so in this one, Bertie said, uh, it was one of those poppy mornings and I had just climbed out from under the cold shower feeling like a million dollars. And my question was, has Woodhouse ever taken a cold shower? You do not feel like a million dollars. I believe that uh, Woodhouse was quite the proponent of cold showers. They suck. I'm not saying they don't suck, but... As someone who has to take half of a cold shower twice a week to wash my hair, like, no. And so I disagree with how he starts his short story, because they don't make sense. Okay, but... That's my... Opinion. Enjoy different things. I mean, that's my opinion. Don't I mean, I'm not like reading a story and it's like they start the story with somebody enjoying seafood. I hate seafood. This is stupid. Well, clearly, I kept reading the book. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think he's wrong. <laughs> that's allowed. We're having a discussion. I'm bringing up something to discuss. You wanted new thoughts for a story we've already read. This is one of them. Well, once I, again, we see that I am wrong. And <laughs> honestly, I think that's one of the changes that he made. I feel like that was not in the first time you read it. Okay. <laughs> I get it. I have to be quite honest. I know there were changes. I didn't track the changes between the two. Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> maybe maybe the chapter maybe the oh bye <laughs> dad just left apparently he's done with my bullshit oh okay <laughs> oh you just thought i just <laughs> i was like wow you I was really like, done with me. this i'm leaving <laughs> 
I will concede that maybe I didn't notice it when we first read it because I wasn't taking cold showers at that point. No, he meant says cold shower. Oh, well, he's still wrong. Um, <laughs> okay. And then later, <laughs> uh, what's her face? Uh, Lady Malvern. Yeah, Lady Malvern. Thank you. Uh, she is explaining like her research or whatever. And she said that she'll not be able to spend more than a month in the U.S. Um, but that a month, a month should be ample time because her dear friend wrote his America from Within book after say of only two weeks. And like, that is not enough time. <laughs> it's not enough. I mean, okay, I agree, but <laughs> look, these are the thoughts that I had. So what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, it's like we're discussing Woodhouse, a, a, a famous comic writer, and you're like going, well, actually, uh, the 1924. <laughs> you can still be funny and still be accurate. <laughs> like, these are just details to round out the story. They don't actually impact the actually, plot. That type of boot wasn't made in that year. So why? Years later. Can't you be realistic? <laughs> Two weeks is not enough time. A cold shower does not feel good. Like those, <laughs> those are true. Okay, I agree. Two weeks is not enough time, but. Do I think that writers have done two weeks of research and written a book? Hell yes, I believe that. Sure. <laughs> I yeah, that's and that's fine. <laughs> so you agree that it happens? <laughs> Not if you're going around and like your personal experience is your research. No, that's not enough time. If you're spending two weeks researching, reading 50 different books about America, like, okay. Yeah, because no writers have ever just thrown shit together. I'm not saying that people don't do it. I'm just saying. It's, <laughs> That's exactly what you're saying is that people no, don't do it. I'm saying it's not enough. Well, I, I agree it's I'm not enough. I'm saying they shouldn't do it. Okay, so okay, I agree that they shouldn't do it, but that's not what you came at me with. All I said was it wasn't enough time. That is accurate. Where's my glove? I challenge <laughs> you to a duel. <laughs> and my final note for the story after Maudie's, you know, first night and Bertie goes to check on him. The conversation that they have that second morning. Uh -huh. What ho, I said. What ho, said Monty. What ho, what ho. What ho, what ho, what ho. And after that, it seemed rather difficult to go on with the conversation. <laughs> you're right. It would be really difficult to go on the conversation if you're not just continuing saying what ho. And <laughs> after a while, those words lose meaning. <laughs> if they have meaning. <laughs> So my note for that was just a crying laughing face. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> what? You can tell that Robin has started going to college classes again. <laughs> that, me going to Bible school. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. I'm not well actually. I'm just disagreeing. <laughs> if I was well actually, I would dig up Woodhouse's grave and say, like, these are all the things you did wrong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't do that. So that's not what I'm doing. Just disagree. I am never bringing you into England now. <laughs> You have to bring me to England. I want to see Tolkien's grave. <laughs> what a turn that took. Well, I'm just... <laughs> but you understand what I mean. Robin, you're well actually in this. If I was at well actually in this, I would desecrate a grave site. <laughs> <laughs> so the next story... I feel like my birdie is showing. You what? My birdie. <laughs> Actually, I, I I think birdie is less criminally minded. I'm sorry. Me wanting oh. to dig up a grave to yell at someone is worse than someone stealing and kidnapping? I just want to take in that you actually said that sentence. <laughs> I'm not. Also, I, if anything, the kidnapping I, was perfectly fine with the boy's family. We didn't know that when it first happened. <laughs> I'm just saying I think those things are on par, not worse than. We're, we're going to get into like a, a huge philosophical debate, so I'm just going to move on to the next story. Look, I mean, I know we go on tangents. Look, you were being salty that I didn't have enough for the story, so I gave you some. Yeah, but I just wanted a little salt. I didn't want you like just taking me to a Morton Salt <laughs> production factory and throwing me in a vat. I said you were salty, not me. <laughs> Go to the next story. <laughs> Jeeves and the hard-boiled egg, which we have seen before in My Man Jeeves, with slight changes. Spoiler alert, I only have two notes on it. Okay, Bertie thinks of how good Jeeves is, so much so that friends of his have offered him twice what Bertie pays him. He uses, as an example, the case of Mr. Spickerstaff, Bicky, and his uncle. Bertie is glad to have someone to speak to Jeeves about as relations between them. Oh, it was Bicky, not Biffy. Bicky is the good one. I think there is a Biffy, too. There is a Biffy, but he's not the good one. Bicky is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> relations between Jeeves and Worcester are strained because Bertie had decided to grow a mustache. Biggie I agree with these. Hey. <laughs> you don't have a mustache, you have a goatee. I I think Jeeves would have been upset with that too. Maybe. <laughs> Biggie told Jeeves he will call Bertie up later, and Bertie mentions that he had seen in the newspaper that the uncle would be in town. Jeeves mentioned that the uncle is a duke, 
Although very rich, he is also quite a death grip on the purse strings. So Woodhouse is mixing it up. <laughs> like, that's new. <laughs> Bicky comes by and says he's in a hole. He says it's a private matter, but Bertie says Jeeves probably knows what the issue is. He does. Bicky is at a loss to explain why he is in New York and not Colorado. Jeeves had gotten this information from the uncle's butler. The uncle had sent Bicky to Colorado to learn farming or something of that sort. Okay. When he got to New York, he messaged the uncle he had gotten into a good business thing and wanted to not go to Colorado. And now the uncle is coming to New York and there is actually no business. He had also given the impression he was living in style. Jeeves suggests that Bertie lend Bicky the flat. Bicky, unlike most friends, is unwilling to accept money. Everyone is amenable to this. Bertie wakes up the next morning and sees that the uncle is arriving early. Uncle is impressed, perhaps too much so, at the flat's opulence. Bertie tries to divert him, and the uncle asks what the business is, and Bertie says, oh, just a business. <laughs> Bertie leaves and runs into Bicky, letting him know the uncle is upstairs. Bertie comes back, and Jeeves says the scheme worked out so well that the uncle thinks he no longer needs to to provide allowance to Bicky. Bertie again offers Bicky money, but he refuses. Jeeves has an idea. As a duke is a prominent personage, there are Americans who might be willing to pay to shake his hand. <laughs> How are they find takers hard to find? However, Bertie, sorry, Jeeves was able to find 87 people from Birdsburg, Missouri. Uh, he met them at the theater. They were in town for a convention. Jeeves was able to get $150 for all of them. Bertie says he'll boost it up to $500 himself, with Bicky never knowing. They decide to release the handshakers 10 at a time. As they do it, one of the men feels the Duke should be obligated to prove that he is a Duke. They say as they paid $150, at this point the Duke asks for an explanation. He finds out what happens and excuses himself and says they must deal with their with his nephew. Bicky has to explain he exaggerated everything. The uncle says he will not get a penny now. Jeeves suggests that Bicky could offer a narration of what happened this afternoon to a newspaper. And then the uncle gets upset at this, and they agree on an amount of money for Bicky. Bertie offers to let his mustache be shaven off. One of my notes was saying literally, oh, yes, I remember. Bicky is the good friend. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was one of my two notes. Uh, oh, and then Bertie has a, a thought at some point in the story. That was an unfortunate pause. <laughs> Bertie has a thought, and I thought that should be noted. <laughs> Bertie has many thoughts. Uh, this one. <laughs> that's always the way in the world the chappies you like to lend money to won't let you whereas the chappies you don't want to lend it to will do everything except actually stand to you on your head and lift this i don't actually know how to pronounce that word out of your pockets <laughs> yeah that, kind of, that kind of like a bingo little yeah <laughs> um my comment for that was Bertie would know Oh, yes. He's had many, many, many examples of people 
using them. Uh, I I have no issue with Vicky, so I didn't yeah. I didn't have that many notes. I, I, I don't I don't believe he shows up again, but I I could be wrong. But uh, the next story, which is the last uh, repeat of the Chiefs and Worcester story, is the Ant and the Sluggard. Oh, is this the one with? This was the one with Rocky in it. Rocky. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I I remember reading it, being really disappointed that we finished Vicky's story and went to what I think is one of Bertie's worst friends. I think that I have met so far. I think Bingo is very close. I mean, to be fair, also Bingo has more stories to go off of. Yeah, like this... Bingo is very close, but Rocky. Rocky really like touched a nerve with me. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I would say Rocky's up there with like Smith in terms of like wow. character dislike. We have to keep track of these so we can see <laughs> where characters end up, you know, on the scale. <laughs> I mean, we know right now Smith is number one and apparently Rocky is two and Bingo is three. Yeah, I'd probably say that's accurate. <laughs> Bertie is in bed one morning when his friend Rocky Tellier, who I will just call Rocky from now on, Bertie does, Todd, uh, comes in and prods him in the ribs and shakes him, which is a great start for what type of friend he's going to be. Yeah, just like, hey, folk, folk. <laughs> Rocky is Hello. a poet and lazy. He also has a moneyed aunt. Ooh, a change there. Shock. Ah. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Bertie does note it curious how many of his friends. Are I did appreciate that part. I think I actually have a note on that. Okay. So like, I'll, I'll that. Oh. You could. He says, oh, sorry. <laughs> he says, it's a curious thing how many of my pals seem to have aunts and uncles who are their main source of supply. And I commented, isn't it though? Is it, is it really? Isn't it strange? Isn't it a hell of a coincidence? <laughs> Rocky tells Bertie to read a letter. It's from his aunt who writes that she always wanted to see New York, but her health prevents her. Rocky says that's rot. And so she wants Rocky to see them for her and write her about these occasions. In return, she will provide a monthly allowance. It seems a good deal to Bertie, but Rocky is aghast at the thought of having to go to New York to live. <sighs> He's kind of being a baby about it. I remember when we read My Man Jeeves, it was like a month before we went to New York. And I remember both of us being like very like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Uh, Jeeves suggests getting another person to do the things that Rocky Ants wants and convey those experiences to Rocky. Rocky wonders who could do this, and Bertie suggests Jeeves. And Jeeves is quite happy to oblige. For a while, everyone is happy. Bertie is surprised one day to see his aunt come in. She is also surprised as she believes the residence belongs to Rocky. Man should just start renting two flats. Uh, Jeeves had suggested Rocky address the letters from Bertie's flat. Bertie require, inquires about her hotel, and she says she is staying there with her nephew. 
She wants Jeeves to prepare a bed and Bertie prepares to go to a hotel because he's much too kind. Bertie at the hotel muses there are actual chappies who have to dress themselves. Bertie's also a little too spoiled. <laughs> Bertie hears from Rocky who is having a horrible time with his aunt and he's also wearing Bertie's clothes. Bertie says to ruin them and Rocky says he hopes so. I remind you that he is staying at Bertie's flat. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrote, I'm sure I said this in my man G's, but Rocky could go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my first F word. <laughs> uh, he blames Bertie for this. Okay. <laughs> and she is in New York. His aunt had uh, stopped the allowance and Rocky is being pretty free with telling Bertie not to come to his own fucking flat. <laughs> Bertie runs into Rocky and actually feels bad for the ass. The ant is bleeding quite a bit. Bertie joins them to a particularly awkward silence. Finally, the ant says she takes the blame and says Rocky must leave the city. She had been to see uh, Jimmy Monday, who was apparently Woodhouse's version of Billy Sunday, which I guess was like some type of an evangelist back then. Oh, okay. After Jeeves took her there by mistake, quote marks. Monday had railed against the evils in New York City. Rocky asks if she wants him to go to the country. She says yes. Rocky agrees, and Bertie gets his flat back. Probably the story I like the least in this collection. I would agree with that. And even though we have read the story before, I have a lot of notes. Okay. <laughs> How many of them are F Rocky? <laughs> Robin's like, scratch that one, scratch that one. <laughs> no, I'm still going to say them. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Continue. Um, oh, I noted that <laughs> Bertie always gets rather concerned if Jeeves is not put together. So at the beginning of the story, Bernie says, it seemed to me that the man had the appearance of being baffled. And that was very concerning to him, apparently. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, that I could understand, you know, Jeeves is the genius and the fixer. And if he's not put together and calm all the time, yeah, it could be scary. <laughs> I like that you keep calling a fixer because I'm I'm imagining him going out as a hitman now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else would you call him? No, it's fair, but when I think of fixer, I think sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I had my note about the ants. Oh, and <laughs> so Rocky is being a little shit. Um but he's, you know, complaining about having to live in New York and be so awful. And do you realize that most days I don't get out of my pajamas till five in the afternoon and then I just put on an old sweater? And Bernie's like, I saw Jeeves wince, poor chap. And my my comment was literally, poor Jeeves. I was like, you don't have it so badly, did Jeeves? <laughs> oh, and then at the start of the scheme, Bernie's like, everything went absolutely right from the start. And I just commented, oh, honey. <laughs> it's like, 
you don't realize you're in a story and, and there's no story if things don't go badly. <laughs> um, Five minutes later. <laughs> there was the use of the word austere. I think it was the only one in this collection. Yeah. At least that I noted. Um, I, <laughs> you're going to get so mad at me. What? Get so bad. Oh God! So I I highlighted queer. what? What's queer? I highlighted this the first time we read the story, and you found it ridiculous that I did so. Yes. Touching Mister Todd for free meals and borrowing his shirts, and I highlighted it again, and I said I still find this funny, <laughs> and I still find it coded. <laughs> I know you don't, and that's fine, but it's right there. Oh, yes, things are always right there if you look for them hard enough. <laughs> Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> are we supposed to be looking closely at the work? <laughs> I think that was the only like thing I really noted, though, as terms of like, subtextually queer because it is <laughs> although i do think birdie could do better than rocky quite honestly well, birdie shouldn't get with anybody who has appeared in any of these books or stories with him he could be a thicky that would be fine okay <laughs> move on <laughs> fine i also appreciated that birdie acknowledged his privilege at a point in the story he said i mean to say ever since then which i think then is like having to stay at the hotel or something um ever since then i've been able to appreciate the frightful privations what privations okay the poor have to stick i i mean okay <laughs> he, he does note a little bit but it's like Generally, the poor have a little bit more trouble than well, yes, themselves for one. Yes, <laughs> but he acknowledges that it's a privilege that he has someone to dress him. That that's true. <laughs> Look, compared to literally everyone else in the story, it's just nice to have some acknowledgement of privilege going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a note about me yelling at Rocky because he tried <laughs> he tried to blame Bernie for being in the situation that he's in. Yeah. And he's like, it's you that got me into it. And my note was just like, you asked. You asked for his help. You went along with it. You had every chance to be like, no, I don't think that'll work. Like, stop being a fucking asshole and go jump in the Hudson River. How close were you to a spit take? <laughs> I, I, I have learned control over the years. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bertie, towards the end, said, you know, there are limits to the sacred claims of friendship. And my note was just like, if only you followed through on that. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> but I, I really wish that he would sometimes. I wish he would look at a situation and be like, you know what? I feel like that's asking too much of me <laughs> but apparently not we're on to a actual news story for us mm -hmm. the rummy affair of old biffy 
Brookie and Jeeves are in Paris. Jeeves says that Mr. Biffin, or Biffy, uh, had been by to Seabury, who tells us it is amazing how one runs into one's acquaintances in foreign cities. And yes, it is mm -hmm. amazing. Jeeves seems a bit frosty when talking about Biffy. Bertie ends up running into Biffy, who says he's lost. Bertie offers some many solutions he could have used, but Biffy turns out to be quite the forgetful chap, which reminds me of that one guy in the Reggie Pepper story. For a moment, uh, I thought guy, they were the same. What? I thought it was the same guy. Is it? I don't know. Hold I on. Thought, I thought it. I thought it was. Now I have to look because what I, I remember Reggie also having. Honestly, I thought it was a Jeeves and Wooster story, but I remember there being an extremely forgetful person. I thought it was the same guy. No, uh, that one is. Bobby Cordu. So oh, okay. Different one, but also had memory issues. Yeah, yeah. They go to lunch where Biffy says he is there to try to forget. He had met a girl on a liner to Newark and he had asked her to marry him. But of course he had forgotten the name of the hotel she was at. And although he remembered her name was Mabel, he wasn't sure about her last name. She knew his name and address, but she never came to him. Biffy had decided to sell his estate, apparently to Roderick Glossop, <laughs> whose memory Bertie shudders at, or perhaps more at the remembrance of being engaged to his daughter. Barely ten days later, Bertie reads in the paper that Biffy is engaged to Honoria Glossop. He tells Jeeves, who seems to not care for the news, Bertie, having been engaged to Honoria himself, is sorry to see a friend so entangled. <laughs> he approaches Jeeves again, and Jeeves once again appears to show disinterest. But at least it has nothing to do with Bertie's clothes. Yeah. A week later, they are back in London, and Biffy stops by. He tells Bertie that, like with Bertie, the engagement just sort of happened, and he <laughs> wants to be out of it. Bertie explains how they made Robert Glossop think Bernie Bertie was nuts, but Biffy says there is no insanity in his family. Bertie suggests he come to lunch with them and that perhaps seeing Biffy is friends with Bertie, Glossop might refuse the marriage. Bertie asks for Jeeves' help, but Jeeves is reluctant. Bertie asks him what he has against Biffy, and Jeeves says nothing. It is not nothing. You think a genius would have figured out, hey, let me get this all figured out before I do one of my trademark temper tantrums. <laughs> Birdie decides to use a trick flower. Oh, Birdie. <laughs> he suggests Biffy use it on uh, Sir Roderick after listening to the guy who can't even remember the... Last name of the girl he loved, being credulous that Bertie could think of anything himself. Bertie demonstrates a squirting flower on Biffy. As Biffy goes to change his shirt, Sir Roderick comes in and finds Bertie, who explains that he and Biffy have been friends for years. Biffy comes back in and looks out of sort. Glossop wants Biffy to go with him to Wembley, and Biffy conjoles Bertie into going with them. Glossop smells the flower, but Biffy is unwilling to squirt him. Jeeves asks if he can take a seat on the way to Wembley. 
On the way, Bertie talks about Jeeves' lack of charity towards Biffy and explains how Biffy is glum about a girl he was in love with. Jeeves did not know this. Bertie and Biffy slip off to get a drink, and Biffy mentions that Jeeves had advised him to do something, but he had forgotten what that something was. After the drinks, Bertie and Biffy head to the amusement park. They ride on some rides. And no, I don't know what a jiggle joggle is. <laughs> and I tried to Google it. Which I'm oh, did you? <laughs> there, there, there was nothing that gave me an answer. It's like, jiggle joggle. Did you mean? No. <laughs> <laughs> I met what I typed. Uh, then Biffy sees the Palace of Beauty and wants to go into it. Bertie says he doesn't want to see a bunch of girls, but Biffy does, and what's more, that's what he now remembers Jeeves said he should do. Basically, the Palace of Beauty is one behind glass in costumes such as Helen of Troy or Cleopatra in the sort. Suddenly, Biffy goes a bit loony looking at one of the girls, and she stares at him. It's Mabel. Biffy starts smashing at the glass and breaks it. He starts talking to Mabel before the police show up. They take him away, but not before he tells Bertie Mabel's phone number. Glossop comes by, and Bertie says Biffy has had a seizure. <laughs> and Glossop requests Bertie to inform Biffy the engagement is off. Bertie talks to Jeeves about what happened, and Jeeves explained that he had heard the tale before, but had been mistaken in thinking that Biffy had been trifling with Mabel's emotions. When asked how Jeeves knew the girl, he explained that Mabel is his niece. Oh. <laughs> well, because I didn't have a note. I just highlighted something. Okay. Biffy and Bertie are talking. Bertie asks what he's doing in Paris. And Biffy said, I came here to try to forget. And Bertie's response, well, you've certainly succeeded. And I was like, that was nice. I like that, Bertie. <laughs> Sometimes you can't can't let those things go. <laughs> as since I make comments as I'm reading the story, I didn't know, yeah, you know, what the context was. And so when Biffy says I haven't heard a word from her from the girl he met, I my question was like, does she also have terrible memory? Because that would be really funny. <laughs> they both had terrible memories <laughs> and were married. Oh, uh, more examples of people being rude to Bernie. Oh, because um, Bernie let Biffy, you know, explain the whole thing. And then Bernie was like, oh, well, here's something going on in my life. And Biffy's like, I gotta go. It's like, it's rude. So, Bernie. I'm sorry, as far as. People being rude. To I mean, it's Biffy not the is very low level. <laughs> that is true, but it's still no, I get polite. It. Don't have to be a dick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because when he learns that Biffy is engaged to Honoria, Honoria, yeah, I wanted to say Honoria again. <laughs> Um, we had I, the same conversation, didn't we? We did, yeah. Okay. Uh, when I first started reading that part, my initial thought was that Bertie felt betrayed by Biffy. For, for getting engaged? 
Yeah. Oh, no. I, <laughs> well, there's, there are so many names to keep track of that, like, it took me a minute to remember who she was. And then, like, he goes on and continues thinking about it. I'm like, oh, okay, so he's not betrayed. He's worried. He's concerned for his yeah. friend. <laughs> Which is fair. But, yeah, it was just, it just took you me a second. You can see quite easily how Biffy could fall into being engaged to mm -hmm. her because he's had it happen to him. Yeah. He didn't want to be engaged. <laughs> He also acknowledges that when there's a chance of helping a pal, we roosters have no thought of self. <laughs> I said, like, that's very clear. But sometimes you should. <laughs> you should have more thoughts of yourself. <laughs> about yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. More examples of people being rude to Bernie. Because Bernie tries to help and he comes up with an idea all by himself. And he tells Biffy that he's going to come up with an idea. And Biffy's response is, you? Which you kind of understand if between Bertie and Jeeves. Well, sure. But, like. You're a Biffy. Yeah. I wouldn't be talking down to others. Like, if you can't remember what you had for breakfast that morning, you really can't judge anyone else's mental capacities. Okay? I forgot about this part. So, with the, with the flower thing. The, the squirting flower. Yes. Bertie's explaining his plan. And Biffy is like, you want me to squirt him? And Bertie says, absolutely. Squirt him good. Squirt as you've never squirted before. <laughs> my response is just, oh my. I'm a failure as a father. <laughs> Come on. It's funny. You read too much smut. <laughs> I mean, define too much. <laughs> that much. <laughs> oh, um, Bertie also has a, a penchant for awful naming abilities. Uh, like you did at one point, where he wants to name his first son Green Swizzle Rooster. And I commented, that would be unfortunate. Well, I have excellent naming for my children. Which I really... <laughs> we, can't, we can't really explain. Yeah, but it was good. A hypothetical name had the first and middle names being Reese's Peanut Butter. That's not a good name. <laughs> it's a good name. That's not a good name. I, I, I still bring it up to your uh, sibling every once in a while. <laughs> that, that was almost their name. <laughs> They're very happy about it. It's just like, this is what we called you for like seven months. It's like, <laughs> oh, you don't like your name now? Well, <laughs> I could have called you this. <laughs> it's like, would that be better? <laughs> I also liked the ending of the chapter where Jeeves looks dreamily out into the traffic. She is my niece, sir. If I, may make, if I might make the suggestion, sir, I should not jerk the steering wheel with quite such suddenness. We very nearly collided with that omnibus. <laughs> so I was just like, like that's amazing. 
I like the way that Woodhouse writes, obviously. Sometimes. Well, you, yeah. Most of the time. Except for those school stories. Well, yes. Because those have no plot. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will only get those occasionally. We'll not do them all in a row. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the next story is without the option, which is uh, another story new to this book. Bertie is in court in order to pay a $5 fine, which he requests from Jeeves, who is in the gallery. Bertie's friend, Sippy, using the fake name Leon Trotsky, is given 30 days for assaulting a policeman. Uh, flashback, Bertie, usually a calm fellow, often lets himself go during the annual boat roast. Boat roast? The annual boat race night. <laughs> Where they set boats on fire? Boats over an open fire. <laughs> uh, that night, he runs into Sippy. Uh, Sippy, an author, relies on an allowance from his Aunt Vera, who has ordered him to go spend three weeks with friends of hers named Pringle. So that has got him down. He's not sure what will cheer him up. Bertie, who is quite inebriated, suggests stealing a policeman's hat. Bertie arranges to see Sippy. This is out of the flashback now. And Sippy bemoans that he won't be able to see the Pringles, which will anger his aunt. Bertie decides to put the matter before Jeeves. Turns out Jeeves knows of Aunt Vera through an acquaintance. Bertie explains that Sippy had gotten out of singing at a village concert by saying he had an assignment in Cambridge, but his aunt counted that since she, since he was going to Cambridge, he had to stay with the Pringles. Man, these ants and their demands. <laughs> Bertie tells Jeeves to think up a solution while he recovers from his boat race night and alcohol-induced headache. When Bertie recovers, Jeeves tells him that the only solution is for Bertie to take Sippy's place. Again, Jeeves is a genius. Okay. <laughs> the Pringles have not seen Sippy since he was 10, so they would not know Bertie was not him. Jeeves suggests that Bertie make himself absent since Aunt Agatha, having read the evening paper, is looking for him. That is enough to decide Bertie. Jeeves, anticipating all, has a taxi at the door to take him to the train, which leaves him 40 minutes, and also has his bags packed. Bertie gets to the Pringles. He meets everyone, including two older women, the mom and the aunt, who say they remember Oliver being a beautiful child. Such a pity. I know. Like, I made so many comments about how horrible... These people were to him. One of them accuses the 10-year-old Oliver of being mean to the cat and is suspicious. Suspicious and everywhere. Yes. Like, everywhere. The professor introduces his daughter, Heloise, who reminds Bertie of Honoria Gossip. <laughs> Later, Jeeves mentions that she is Honoria's cousin. Poor Bertie. Jeeves huh? can't get away from her. Yeah. Jeeves suggests he avoid her, but Bertie finds it difficult to do so, always running into her. 
Jeeves says that she does appear interested in Bertie. They admit that it does seem that an engagement might be in the offing if they are not careful. <laughs> One day, Bertie encounters and <laughs> I keep writing Honoria when I actually mean Heloise. Heloise? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he encounters Heloise and she says he wants someone to look after him. <laughs> he points out that he has Jeeves. <laughs> she doesn't like Jeeves. She asks what Bertie is reading. It's on mystery. And seeing the book, ask if he knows a Bertie Worcester, which is the name on the book. She's heard, heard that Bertie is an imbecile and asked if Oliver will drop him. That would be difficult, Bertie says. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that's witty. That that was witty. No one was around that could appreciate it, but... <laughs> Bertie is almost trapped, but luckily Aunt Jane comes by, assuming he's going to harm the cat. <laughs> I'm a cat lover. I'm kind of like, Bertie, just kick the cat. No, don't kick the cat. You're going to be blamed for it all the time. No, he should just take the cat. But Bertie doesn't do well with cats. But it said that Bertie was a cat lover. Uh, I'm referring to when uh, his cousins put like those 40 cats in his... Well, that's 40 cats. I'm just saying take the one. <sighs> Bertie does his best to avoid her. At dinner one evening, the professor proclaims that Roderick is late. Before Bertie can do anything, Sir Roderick shows up and outs him as Bertie Worcester. Bertie tries to explain, but it doesn't help. Jeeves tells him the only thing to do is go to talk to Sippy's aunt. Jeeves thinks Miss Sipperly might be lenient. Bertie goes to see her, and she seems a bit nervous. He explains what happened with Sippy, and she starts laughing, and Bertie thinks she may have lost it. She feels that everyone should hit policemen. Jeeve explains that she has been aggravated by the police the last few weeks. The constable has issued a summons for her three times in the last few weeks. It turns out that the constable is Jeeves' cousin, Egbert, who Jeeves had slipped five pounds to. Bertie gives Jeeves ten pounds. Man, Jeeves knows a lot of people. Well, I was just thinking, Jeeves has a lot of cousins. <laughs> yeah, I was like... <laughs> That's two cousins we've met now. <laughs> they were squirting everywhere. Oh, sure. Now it's funny? Yeah. <laughs> You're so angry. <laughs> I thought it was funny before. It's timing. Well, I was reading my notes like I always do. I can't. I can't time that. I mean, you could. I mean, get a get a clock, and this is times like this. I really wish we had video. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the way I'm looking at you is kind of lost if people can't see the way I'm looking at you. <laughs> they sure are quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Just assume any prolonged silences is me glaring at Dad. That'd be a pretty good uh, assumption. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just said, so when it was revealed why Sippy was going to jail, mm -hmm. I just said, ah, here we go. 
because I there's typically some sort of assaulting a police officer in a book. Oh, by what else? Yeah. A fair amount of time. Get used to it. Yeah. yeah. And while technically there was already with Maudie's story, uh, we've already read that one, so I didn't count it. So <laughs> this one, I was like, oh, okay, here's, we had austere, now we have the police bashing. Got it. Okay. So that's good. I would call it bashing. I mean, it, it did just steal the hat. <laughs> he punched him in the gut. Well, I mean, that's. To steal the hat. Yeah, it's it's all part of the package. Sure. Um, when Bertie was suggesting what? Am I boring you? I can't. I've been awake since six thirty. That's early for me. Anyway, when Bertie was when Bertie was suggesting how Sippy could cheer himself up by taking a police officer's hat. Yeah. Um. Sippy says, but there's a policeman inside it. You can see him distinctly. <laughs> and I, I noted, that is a problem. <laughs> but Bertie has a solution. Punch him in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> um, my other note was when one of the... What's the last name? Per... Pringles? Pringles, yeah. Uh, one of the... Pringles bitches was like, oh, he was such a pretty child. What a pity. What a pity. My, my comment was, don't be mean to Bernie. To be fair, they were being mean to Oliver. They were. No. <laughs> um, so you know how when we first started this, you said that you wanted to keep track of the word austere. And like, sort it of like. Out well for me. That didn't work out well for you. I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we sort of talked about like other things that tend to show up in Woodhouse works. Yes. Uh, that he, he uses. One of them is the, again, unrealistic climbing down water pipes. That would hurt. I'm, I'm just going to say that Woodhouse probably had more experience with climbing down water pipes in early 20th century England than we do, so... Fair. <laughs> that, I'll give that to you. But I'm just... I'm assuming it would hurt. Like, because I'm... They're, like, iron. Right? I I don't know. They're a metal. That. Like, that's not going to feel... I'm assuming it's not a smooth metal. I'm not that feel good. I don't know what... <laughs> I was gonna ask me if you knew from personal experience. I'm just like, I mean, you're looking at me like, well, you're old, you should know. I wasn't. I was asking you. What did Abraham Lincoln say right before he got shot? What was in there? I was asking. Because you know more things than I do. <laughs> Not because you're old. <laughs> I know nothing about early 20th century English architecture, which you should know more about than I do. You 
enjoy architecture and i'm just like cool building and that's why i'm saying the water pipes that i have seen from those times would not be comfortable to shimmy down well i don't think they were shimmying oh i'm sorry he said shinned he shinned down which also sounds awful i mean shimmying kind of to me just feels kind of like sliding which yeah that would would hurt what do you picture when it says shin like yeah use your shins and then put your hands down then put your shins down lower then put your hands down again and kind of it, it it's kind of like you would do with a ladder except you're basically holding it on the, the sides it's still gonna hurt so much <laughs> well when we go dig up woodhouse's corpse we will make sure to them and by we i mean you because i will have a safe alibi if and when we go to england <laughs> and it's leaning a lot closer to if now <laughs> i want to go to england i want to go to england and dig up different grave sites i also now want to look at early 20th century architecture and see what the water pipes look like <laughs> that's why you want <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this beautiful? No, I already saw the water pipes. We can go. If and, if and when we go, that will be on the itinerary. Oh, God, I can just imagine going on a tour. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Now, about the water pipe. <laughs> I have questions about the water pipes. What would they be made out of, and how would it feel to shin down one? <laughs> can I try it? <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean, security guards? <laughs> and my last note. Oh, God. <laughs> if every young man in England went around hitting policemen in the stomach, it would be a better country to live in. And my note was, that's a stance. <laughs> well, again, early 20th century, they... Yeah. In England. Yeah, I, I, I would highly suggest, especially... Uh, my fellow Americans, do not do this. <laughs> we don't want to lose any subscribers. I mean, and, and we care about you too. <laughs> yes. Um, generally, most people don't punch them, especially if they're police officers, especially if you're American. <laughs> we, we're taking a very definitive anti-punching people in the gut stance. Yes. <laughs> Unless they deserve it. Go us. And cannot hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you know you can get away with it. Like, go nuts. <laughs> Do not, in fact, go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Fixing It for Freddy, which is a rewriting of the Reggie Pepper story known as Helping Freddy or Lines and Businesses. Which is a stupid title for that story because I, I I don't what lines what business I don't. So Bertie talks to Jeeves about a friend of his, Freddie Bullivant, who he had found at the Drones Club in quite a shape. Apparently, he had an argument with his fiance Elizabeth, and now she was no longer his fiance. Bertie wants to take Freddie to Marvis Bay with him to get Freddie's mind off the girl. 
they go, and one day Bertie comes to their place, and Freddie says that he's seen Elizabeth. They met at the post office, and she ignored Freddie. Bertie thinks this is a chance to win her back. He wonders perhaps Freddie could save her from drowning. <laughs> then he immediately goes to this is a bit worrying because, again, this will not be the last time that he proposes something like this. <laughs> I kind of think maybe Bertie just wants to see people drown. I mean, it's also not the first time that drowning is factored into one of the schemes. Yeah. So, yeah. I think there may be a dark birdie. That <laughs> 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 only the audience sees. Yeah. Everyone else just thinks he's an idiot, but he's secretly a dark, dark person. <laughs> birdie decides to go for a scroll and sees the very girl herself. She is with a small fat boy. And Bertie decides that is her cousin after Elizabeth calls another girl their aunt. I love Bertie. This is not his smartest story. No, it's not. <laughs> this is just Bertie walking around in a lawn full of rakes. <laughs> Bertie walks on, and on the walk back, he sees the boy there alone. He decides the thing to do is to kidnap the boy for a short bit. Get Elizabeth good and anxious. Dark Birdie. <laughs> and have Freddie show up with the kid. Getting back, Birdie explains the scheme. Freddie, at first, not comprehending, and I, I actually can't blame him on this part. But then he ends up thinking that it is a good scheme. This will change. Freddie goes out with the kid and comes back with the kid. Turns out the boy is not her cousin, just some kid she met at the beach. Freddie acts like a dick to Bertie, which, uh, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is, yeah, this is one of the few times I can't blame. <laughs> the best solution is to find the kid's parents, but of course, neither Freddie or Bertie know who or where they are. Uh, Bertie looks all over for the parents, but has no luck until he talks to the sweet stall man who knows the family name. Bertie finally finds the house and knocks at the door. The man will open the door and ask for Bertie's name, and they discover he knows Bertie's Aunt Agatha. Never a good sign. <laughs> the family has mom and doesn't want the boy, who his father called Toodles, <laughs> to get it and feel like they can trust Bertie to take care of the boy. So, so no Aunt Agatha. Reading this from a modern perspective is oh, so horrifying. Yeah. It's just like, there's so so many red flags. Sure, single man in your twenties, watch our child. Yeah, <laughs> that'll go well. Uh, yeah, I say he is a very foolish father. <laughs> well, of course, he seems cruel with those names. Toodles. Toodles, and I think his sister is like Boodles or something, or Noodles or. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's a Woodhouse book. The names are going to be like. Bertie walks away with the kid, running into Elizabeth, who thinks Bertie is the boy's father. Are you looking up the name or are you just. Both Freddie and Jeeves refuse to have anything to do with the child's care. Bertie's babysitting solution is to fill the kid with sweet. It's Boodles. I was right. It's Boodles. Okay. Yeah. Jeeves thinks that there is a way to use the child to bring Freddie and Elizabeth together. 
he suggests having the child to say something of a touching nature. Kiss Freddy is what Jeeves suggests. Which, like, I know you said this isn't, like, Bertie's best idea. This isn't Jeeves' best idea but, either. <laughs> nobody really comes out very well in this story. <laughs> I think it actually, I, I won't say it's better, but it it's less egregious as a Reggie Pepper story. It's still bad. <laughs> yeah, it's still bad. <laughs> the the actions that everybody does. The story itself is humorous, Hi. but also horrifying. <laughs> yeah. They use sweets to train the child. <laughs> also, looking at this from a modern day, it's like, oh. <laughs> Jeeves and Bertie are hesitant to make it happen too quickly as the child isn't saying the line consistently or correctly. But it happens anyway. Bertie takes the kid outside and the kid sees Elizabeth who is walking to the beach. Bertie tries to move her along, but she offers the kid some toffee, which prompts the child to say, kiss Freddie. And at that moment, Freddie comes out. Elizabeth wonder what's this mean? But Freddie is silent. She asks what's the story and Bertie explains. Elizabeth starts to laugh because kidnapping is funny. <laughs> Bertie finishes. Freddie stands there like a statue, and Bertie sees Jeeves walk up. He tells Jeeves the plan was for naught. They head back to the house and see Freddie and Elizabeth in each other's arms. So Elizabeth is also insane. Yeah, that's pretty much the message I got. <laughs> so when Bertie sees this kid, Toodles, his thought is bye to him. Toodles, Toodles. <laughs> That's just so mean. Like, can you imagine this kid growing up? Be like, oh, hello, president of the company. My name is Toodles. <laughs> like, no, you have to have a hat when you say, my name is Toodles. <laughs> <laughs> so when he sees Toodles, he acknowledges, I'm going to keep saying the name because it's so stupid. <laughs> Um, he was one of those round, bulging kids, and my comment was, I love Bertie's absolute distaste for children. <laughs> well, also, the sweet stall man knows their name, so... Yeah. 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 And they're training him with sweets. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... I it's understand. Not <laughs> it's not the kid's fault. When Bertie gets the idea of kidnapping, he says, I doubt if the idea that came to me at this juncture would have occurred to a single one of any dozen of the largest brain books in history. Yeah, he should have reflected on that. And I said, <laughs> you're right. Few others would have thought of this. Yes, usually I am a birdie defender, but there's very little that I could defend in this story. Yeah. Freddie, despite Bertie's attempt at helping, which is a very nice thing to do, even if it's not best executed. Freddie says, thank goodness you will probably spend the next few years of your life in Dartmoor for kidnapping. That's my only consolation. I'll come and jeer at you through the bars on visiting days. And I said, all your friends suck, except you. Yeah, true. And I, I agree with you, but... I think if anybody has a little bit of leeway, it would be Freddie. He's still not good, but it's like, you did kidnap a kid, Bertie. <laughs> Freddie could have helped return the kid. He could have also, like, Bertie only kidnapped the kid in his attempt to be a good friend. 
I want you to step back, <laughs> press rewind on that tape, and say that sentence again. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but I can see that, but Dad, I only dug up his grave. <laughs> I'm just saying Bernie was trying to be a good friend in return Freddie could try to be a good friend and help return the kid like that's it that's all I'm saying I mean there's no reciprocity in any of Bernie's friendships <laughs> well I mean yeah no that that is true I'm only saying that in this story it's a little bit more understandable more understandable, sure. Still doesn't need to be an asshole. Sure. I understand-ish. I, I don't like Freddy, but you got me kind of going like... He was trying to help! Dark Birdie did kidnap a kid. Was gonna... <laughs> try to drown his ex-fiance. He's trying to help! He, he, he's, he's giving the kid diabetes. The kid already had diabetes. He just <laughs> they didn't fed help. him a lot of sweets. <laughs> he just didn't help. <laughs> um, anywho, as Bernie is trying to take Toodles back home, he's looking I... for a street, a street called Ocean Rest. He said it then remained to find Ocean Rest. And eventually, after visiting Ocean View, Ocean Prospect, Ocean Breeze, Ocean Cottage, Ocean Bungalow, Ocean Nook, and Ocean Homestead, I trailed it down. And I highlighted that because I'm like, that reminds me of the houses in South Carolina. Like, all their different names. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just reminded me of that. And so I was just like, I thought that was really funny. Um, not that anyone... It, if you haven't been to South Carolina, there there are certain areas you can rent beach homes for like a week, and they typically have names, and all of them typically have to do with the ocean because they're right on the ocean. Uh, I also, um, another example of Toodle's parents sucking, they seem to be giving him liqueur for breakfast. They said, uh... Ask for these breakfast chips. Toodles takes them for breakfast with a little milk, not cream. Milk, be sure to get Bailey's. And I'm sure Bailey's isn't only a liqueur in this time. But... I thought you were saying, saying like, a brand name or something. Else. I had no idea. You, you... I, I am assuming... I'm also assuming... Time... But I also think it would be really funny. <laughs> they were giving like essentially essentially cereal with Kids Bailey's Irish cream. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it wouldn't make you like drunk. It's not that alcoholic. But it's not. I, I don't think the problem is it being that alcoholic. It's that the kid's like one to two years old. He's not that young, is he? Yeah, I don't think they ever give his age. Probably like two to somewhere between. He can walk. Yeah. He's very I young. I was guessing like four. Maybe. Which is still too young to it's have cool. any sort of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I'm pretty sure if you gave a white claw to a toddler. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just going to snip this part and put it on YouTube. Give a white claw to a toddler. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Post canceled. Um, Bertie, oh, sorry. Freddie, continuing to be an ungrateful twerp, said that I will not stand being expected to be grateful. And I commented, like, you should be grateful. He was trying to help. He was, I get, I, I know what you're going to say. Right there with you, but I know what you're going to say. It's hard. <laughs> it is, but the effort matters. Freddie wasn't doing anything to help himself. Bertie tried to help be a good friend. That should be appreciated. I mean, it'd be like me going to you. Well, Robin, you're saying you were having trouble with this coworker. So look, I killed them. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. It's like, wow, show some appreciation, Robin. You can kill anyone, though. You just get that to me. Again, let's go back to that tape. Rewind. <laughs> Moving on. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> what? Oh, I was about to ask you if you had more notes. Are you obviously? No, I do. I had a lot of notes on this one. <laughs> okay. Um, the idea of Jeeves using baby talk was terrifying to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, because he's, ta he's talking about this movie he saw to give help Bertie with his idea. And he says, if I remember rightly, sir, he said, Dada, doesn't Ooh love mommy no more? <laughs> and I'm just like... Yeah, I kind of want to watch the Jeeves and Worcesters uh, TV show and see if they do an adaptation of this one and if Stephen Fry is like saying that. I think I think it's the Stephen Fry do it wouldn't bother me as much, but the Jeeves I have in my head picturing it is like no, I think Stephen Fry is Jeeves seeing him say that would still be disturbing. Okay. Just like because I know uh Hugh Laurie's house, but mm -hmm. I can see him as Birdie in this. Sure, yeah. I see the character, not necessarily the actor. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I, I noted that yes, when Jeeves and Wooster are giving sweets to toodles. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's conditioning. You're you're conducting an experiment on a toddler. That's you're conditioning him. <laughs> I mean, but to be fair, Jeeves does that to Birdie all the time, too. It's just not as blatant. I guess that's fair. <laughs> and as we will see in the last story, that's true. But yeah, no, that's fair. But yes, it's not just not as blatant. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, the last note I have on this one is G saying that the kid needs more practice because the last time that they rehearsed, the kid had said, kick Freddy instead of kiss Freddy. <laughs> and I said, that's highly amusing. And <laughs> made me think of when I was doing like, fanfic role play and it was a smut scene and there was an unfortunate typo that instead of licking something the typo said kicking something 
I mean, that could be somebody's thing, though. So. It could be, but I have to <laughs> message to the person and be like, so I need to know if this oh, is a oh, typo. No. <laughs> I need to know if this is a typo before I write my response. <laughs> oh, yeah, something like, he, he gently leaned down <laughs> to check upon her. Yeah. It's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> that's immediately what it made me think of. I was like, that is an, that would be an unfortunate moment. <laughs> All right, next we have clustering round young bingo. Bertie is finishing up an article for his Aunt Dahlia's magazine. Jeef says she's on the phone asking about it. Bertie shows Jeeves his manuscript. Jeeves approves of the section on socks, but does not appreciate the part about silk shirts. They argue about silk shirts. Bertie has ordered a dozen. Yeah, we'll see about that. After the argument is over, so Bertie thinks, he asks Jeeves if he knows any housemates for Mr. Little. At the office of Milady's Boudoir, which is the name of his aunt's magazine, Bertie runs into Mrs. Little. He mentions Jeeves is looking into a housemate for them, and she invites Bertie to dinner the next day. Aunt Dahlia and her husband will be there. Bertie is delighted to go, especially since the Littles have an amazing French cook. Bertie is also fond of his Aunt Dahlia, who has been married to Thomas since Blue Bottle won the Cambridgeshire or real race, but not the real winner. I looked it up. Okay. See? Okay. I fact check Woodhouse. Okay. They banter back and forth, and Dahlia makes a cutting remark about Jeeves and to cool Robin's jets a little. I will say that Dahlia's opinions on Jeeves change. We see some of that in this story. Mm -hmm. She had asked him to find her a cook, and he had been unable to do so so far. Bertie gets to the dinner last, seeing Uncle Thomas's is moody, which is not surprising. However, Bingle is also in a bit of a mood. He tells Bertie he wants to talk to him the next day, making him one of my least favorite type of people. If you want to talk, talk. Don't don't say you want to talk. Do it. Jerk. The dinner is amazing. Bertie gets back and Jeeves says his Uncle George is desirous to see him the next day, but Bertie says it cannot be done. Bingo comes the next day and says his life is going to be ruined as Dahlia has Rosie writing an article called How I Keep the Love of My Husband, <laughs> Baby. <laughs> <laughs> as Bingo is about to ask for Bertie's help, he of course insults him. Because <laughs> why not? Bertie asks for Jeeves' thoughts and Jeeves says it coincides with another task he has been given by Aunt Dahlia who wants to get Anatoly, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but uh, the Littles cook. Bingo is reluctant as he doesn't want to lose Anatoly's cooking, but eventually he agrees. Bingo comes by the next day and says it's off as Anatoly refuses to leave. It seems he is in love with the parlor maid. Bertie suggests Dahlia hire the parlor maid too, but if she does that, she'd have to sack her own. And if she did that, the chauffeur would quit as he's in love with her. Bingo has an idea, though. He wants Bertie to pinch the manuscript. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I wrote, yeah, I have to be honest. I'm a little tired of these people wanting Bertie to steal manuscripts. 
that they can get yeah. off their own lazy asses and do themselves. Yeah. It'd be so much easier for Bingo to do it. Yeah. There's there's no reason for Bingo not to do this. Yeah. It's like, okay, Honoria is a girl. Florence. So I guess, yeah. It's something that women couldn't do. <laughs> sure. <laughs> not I'm saying that. I'm saying <laughs> Early 20th century English women of a certain stature. It, it, if you want to seal a manuscript, feel free, women. <laughs> Birdie resists, but Bingo plays on Birdie being a much better friend than any of the people who claim to be his friend when they need something, and Birdie will do it. <laughs> See, I think I actually dislike Bingo more than I dislike Rocky. Mm -hmm. Bertie gets into the house under the watchful eye of a portrait that he assumes is someone's great-grandfather. However, he soon discovers a Pekingese dog, which are essentially the only type of dogs in Woodhouse stories, because Woodhouse often had Pekingese dogs himself. Bertie hits some furniture, and the dog starts barking. He makes a break for an encounter with a policeman and a parlor maid. There's a bit of back and forth that does not appear to be going Bertie's way. And Bertie says he is a friend of the family and that there is a picture of him in the drawing room. But it's not there any longer. And Bertie says the maid is known for smashing things. <laughs> the policeman sends the parlor maid to ask the maid. And Bertie looks around to see if there is any sign of the uh, portrait. Bertie finds himself next to the window and he sees it is six inches open at the bottom and he makes a break for it. Which I'm kind of like, how skinny is Bertie? <laughs> right? Uh, Bertie tells Jeeves never again, but Jeeves point out that Bertie has an obliging nature and that he should go to spend time with Uncle George as requested. Bertie goes and takes a bit of pleasure since it is uh, Uncle George who had oppressed him in his youth, having this suffer through a cure. In the second week, his Aunt Dahlia shows up. Both she and Thomas are taking a cure. They talk about the magazine, and Dahlia says, don't talk about Mrs. Little to her. She had pulled her article because Dahlia got her cook. Bertie goes back to London to get an explanation from Jeeves. Jeeves had suggested Mrs. Little hired Dahlia's housemaid. Anatoly had previously wooed her and then disappeared, and she was willing to make his life miserable. Anatoly left pretty much as soon as he heard of this. Jeeves had been raking it in from everyone for his services, some of them who don't even seem to really have a reason to give him money, but they did anyways, including Bertie. Also, the silk shirts came in and Jeeves sent them back. Bertie accepts this. So my first note of this story was, is Bingo the one I really can't stand? <laughs> Oh, that was you know. <laughs> that was my note. And, and by the end, did you know? <laughs> I yes, I did. I got the answer very quickly. Yeah, because then I highlighted later on where Birdie was reminding, I think, the audience of like young Bingo Little, if you remember, had married the famous female novelist Rosie Ann Banks. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yep, that's him. <laughs> Robin rolled her eyes when she said that. <laughs> <laughs> I put a crying laughing face at the title of Rosie's article, How I Keep the Love of My Husband Baby. When Bingo is just refusing to accept Bertie trying to have some fucking boundaries <laughs> and just 
guilting him and manipulating him. I said, Bernie, stick to your boundaries. And I also, because the thing that Bingo kept saying is like, well, we went to school together. Remember, we went to school together. And I said, I wouldn't do nearly as much for someone I went to school with. Only very close friends. I was like, I, I don't remember like, most people I went to school to. Yeah, like if it was, if it was like my friend Amy, and for some reason they asked me to try to steal something, like, yeah, I'd probably consider it. But like, if it was some other person I went to school with that I don't have nearly as close of a relationship, I'd be like, no, no. And I just wouldn't do it for bingo pretty much no matter what. Yeah, that's absolutely, like, that's principles. Oh, I really did enjoy Bertie really hating the parlor maid. <laughs> and the many different ways where he was like, I hate this woman. Because <laughs> he's like, I looked at the girl with positive loathing. <laughs> oh, a perfectly poisonous girl. <laughs> I absolutely hated this girl. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, Bernie, how many how many ways are you gonna say that you hate this woman? <laughs> oh, and then Bertie did a thing towards the end of the chapter. Okay. Where he got home after, you know, this whole like <laughs> yes, debacle. And he's sitting in front of the fireplace with his feet up on the mantel place. Are you gonna go over this again? I just <laughs> my note is just again with his weird V position, like mantle plate mantelpieces are up. They are now. Doesn't mean that they were then. Where else would they be? If it's down on the ground, it'd be a hearth. A mantle is up above the fireplace. So you, he's sitting with his feet up in the air. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. That's not looking it up to prove me wrong. Well, I couldn't find a picture of that. Perhaps back then the mantelpiece was the area in front of the fireplace. That would still be the hearth. Okay, when I said perhaps back then, it was. Hearths have been around for thousand years. Obviously, I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying. Obviously, it's not something that was unheard of where people be going, Plum, what the hell are you talking about? They can't have their feet straight up in the air. We, don't know, we don't know that people didn't. I would love to read a review from the 1920s. People are like, Plum, people don't sit like that. The only thing I can think after doing a Google search of my own is maybe his feet were on the side of the mantelpiece so to the side of the fire which would still be extremely hot and it's not super comfortable but would make more sense i don't know let's we'll have to table this until the next time we get so next time it comes up <laughs> right. all right that's all i have for that all right uh, the last story is Bertie Changes His Mind. This is the only story that is narrated by Jeeves uh, and one of only two stories that is not narrated by Bertie. 
The other one is the uh, novel Ring for Jeeves, which doesn't have Birdie in it. Birdie is a bit snappish with Jeeves, and Jeeves worries that it's a sign that matrimony might be in the future. Jeeves enjoys his employment with Birdie, and it's been his experience when the wife comes in the front door, the valet goes out the back door. Birdie regaining composure uh, says that he's lonely. Mm -hmm. You have many friends, says Jeeves. What's the good of friends, asks Birdie, and who can argue? <laughs> Knowing Birdie's friends. <laughs> Birdie talks about a play scene, which makes him wonder how one might get a daughter. <laughs> Apparently nobody ever taught Birdie the birds and the bees. Jeeves <laughs> uh, suggests marriage is generally the way, but Birdie doesn't want to marry. He wants to adopt. Uh... Considering Birdie's last experience with a child, that may not be the best idea. Jeeves <laughs> uh, says that might be difficult. Birdie suggests getting a house and having his sister and three nieces move in with him. Uh, small note here, this is the only mention of a sibling for Birdie mm -hmm. that I recall seeing in any of the Jeeves and Worcester stories. In fact, in a later novel, he tells another character he has no sister. So Woodhouse is, uh, probably just forgot this. Jeeves tells us that novice valets would voice their disapproval, but Jeeves does not. He suggests Bertie might benefit from a few days at Brighton. Bertie had recently suffered from influenza. Bertie agrees, but Jeeves is worried. He had not seen Bertie sit on anything so much since the time he insisted on purple socks. Jeeves feels that employers need managing, and he feels there are no complaints there from him. Personally, I feel I know why what else only had Jeeves narrate one time. <laughs> it can be a bit insufferable. <laughs> Bertie can only take Brighton for a few days, and they head back to London. On the way, they see a young girl on the side of the road and stop to give her a lift. Jeeves thinks she's about 12. Apparently, there was a half holiday, and she went to Brighton thinking she would get back in time, but will not be able to. Bertie wonders what they can do to help her. Jeeves suggests that Bertie say he is an old friend of her father and form the headmistress he had seen the girl and taken her for a ride. They get to the school and Bertie and the girl, Peggy, go in and Jeeves goes to park the car. Jeeves asks to speak to the headmistress. He informs her that Bertie is the Bertram Worcester. I always forget that his full name mm -hmm. is Bertram. He says, although Bertie would never ask himself, he would be honored to speak to the young woman extemporaneously. And if he protests, she should insist. Also, she should not let Bertie know Jeeves suggested this. Jeeves goes to the car, which he admits is a good one, but he somehow feels like something might go wrong with it that would keep them there for a few hours. Bertie comes out to borrow a smoke. He seems to have misplaced a cigarette case. He says, young girls are delightful, but a little overwhelming and moss. He asks if they giggle so much. Jeeves, who said he was a page boy for an old girl's school, I do not believe him, says they do. Jeeves says the girls used to play a game where they st stare at a visitor and giggle to see who can make the person blush first. After tea, Jeeves is back at the car, and Piggy, the girl, 
they had picked up, gives him Bertie's cigarette case, which he says he must have dropped. She says Bertie is to give a lecture and that the girls do plan to stare at him. And last year they had been able to make the speaker get hiccoughs, which I guess is what? And hiccups? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves and Bertie comes back and says to start the car. Jeeve says there is something wrong with the car. He admits the look on Bertie's face almost made him melt. He, somehow he was able to overcome it and continue with the sadism. <laughs> the, the, that's my turn for it. But The headmistress comes out and collects Bertie. Jeeves contrives to, let's be blunt, snoop. He narrates that Bertie had every desirable quality except one. Not brains, for Jeeves feels brains in an employer are not desirable. But Bertie is unable to deal with the unusual situation. I won't recount Bertie's attempt at talking to the girls, except to say it did not go well. <laughs> Bertie comes out wanting to know if the car is ready. It is. The headmistress comes to talk to G's and says some girls had been caught smoking, saying Mr. Worcester had given them the cigarettes to the girls. A week later, Jeeves inquires whether Bertie had found a house. Bertie says, that's off. So we had very different interpretations of that chapter. Really? Yeah. Please continue. At some point, towards the beginning, I think, Jeeves says he had no desire to sever a connection so pleasant in every respect as his in mind, his being Bertie. Mine had been, and my experience is that when the wife comes in at the front door, the ballot of bachelor days goes out the back. And I said, Oh, that's nice. He would miss Bernie. Oh, okay. He would miss Bernie. He said it was a pleasant connection. It's a pl pleasant connection with his employer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a good working environment for him. Yeah. Okay. But I think I think he genuinely does like Bertie. Does he? <laughs> I think so. Okay. That's that's I, I'm not saying that he dislikes Bertie. I I may have said this before. I think Jesus uh, uh believes in utilitarianism. Yes. Often that philosophical approach is done by abusing Bertie in some way. Use. Oh, mm, I think it's manipulation. I don't think it's abuse. Let, let us. I will save that little snippet, and we will readdress it with each new Jeeves and Worcester book. Okay, fine. And, and we'll see. Okay, fine. What your feelings are there. Fine. You, this you is, know how this is going to end up. <laughs> This is the whole point of the podcast. I haven't read as much, and so therefore my opinions are not tainted. My opinions are tainted by having more knowledge? Yes. <laughs> There's so many things that I, I'm not going to say. <laughs> I also highlighted when... <laughs> This is probably going to be counterproductive to my point. <laughs> Often how it ends up going. <laughs> I also highlighted when Jeeves thought 
that employers are like horses they require managing which i don't disagree with <laughs> uh, honestly i i don't have that many notes for this chapter <laughs> it's kind of on time crunch but when oh i think they're getting ready to leave the school no it was before um birdies and he said i had no idea small girls were such demons and Wooster says, more deadly than the male, sir. Or, sorry, Jeeves says, more deadly than the male, sir. And I was like, whoa. No. No. Which which one of us has children? <laughs> I mean, you, and that will always be the case. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have experience being a father to girls, and I have experience being a brother to boys. I agree with that statement. Why? If you had said more violent, no, that's not the case. More reckless, no, that's the case. But the term was more deadly. They said demons. Yeah. What? Okay, no, you have to you have to explain a little bit more because otherwise you seem sexist. All right. <laughs> otherwise, what? You seem sexist. <laughs> okay. Well, this is going to help. <laughs> My very bare bones approach to it. You know, something I kind of cribbed from Henry Rollins is women are evil, men are stupid. Yeah, you're right. That didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> like, I agree with the second part. <laughs> Sexist. I <laughs> mean, more stupid that men are, the more evil women have to be women are had the capability to be more devious than men a lot of that is uh, the prolonged history of essentially not because they deserve to be but essentially being second-class citizens to men mm -hmm. so they need to survive by their wits more than men okay i'll give you that men in general and not picking out individual individual men are stumbling in <laughs> I, I like how you insult men and you're like yeah this is the way it is but i say yeah. men are devious and you're like no it's not i i would agree if it was women are devious if we're making a blanket statement like okay sure i would agree with that i wouldn't even agree with it because of the reason that you gave well, I'm looking but at it said demon. women are demons. <laughs> I'm looking at it as like devious as a devil kind of thing. I'm not looking at it as like they're demonic. <laughs> That's cats. <laughs> so I just took a little bit of offense to that. <laughs> well, perhaps he knew what you were gonna do to his gravesite. <laughs> I just want to have a talk with him. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> well, that's why I need to see him. <laughs> I'm just going to keep holding on to it. <laughs> Wait, that's all I have. <laughs> that's all you have. <laughs> so, so that was Gary <laughs> 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 You know, I always wonder beforehand, what's the thing that we're going to go off on a tangent on? Gray Robin wasn't 
the one you predicted? Nowhere in the top 250. Wow. <laughs> Seems like you don't know me that well. Because <laughs> you're devious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So obviously that was Carry On Jeeves. The book that we're going to be reading uh, for next month is Frozen Assets, which is a standalone novel, uh, kind of a I would comedy caper a little bit in the vein of hot water. So that's what we'll be doing next time. I believe the time after that, is that leave at the Smith or is that the time after that? Hold on. When we're we doing leave at the Smith, November? Yes. Leave at the Smith will be the one that we will be recording over Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Okay. So I'll get to see Robin's uh, Smith love in person. I mean, I don't think it's going to look that different. <laughs> I don't think it's going to look that different. <laughs> so uh, I will also say, uh, if people don't know, we the two of us have YouTube pages. Robin has Robin, a Hobbit's reading list. I have one eye on the page. Robin mainly deals with queer and Jewish fiction psychology any other things you would say you yeah i mean i would say like my focus does tend to lean more towards queer and jewish but i also read a, a healthy mixture of uh classic literature as well as just other random bullshit honestly <laughs> like they're they're good books but like they don't in a category. Yeah. I would also say even more so, I don't really have ones that necessarily fit in a category. Uh, my blogs are pretty much all over the place. I do uh, have a couple of video programs, uh, five-year battles. I've done one for Stephen King where I rank the books of Stephen King in each five-year period and then essentially have them fight out to find out the number at the end. I'm doing that for Agatha Christie now. And I occasionally do uh, the occasional one-off on different individual books or other rankings. That that has been Hubby Dasher Woodhouse podcast, where we talked about Carry On Jeeves and uh, desecrating the burial site of a Sir P.G. Woodhouse. I have no actual plans to desecrate the burial site. I hope people recognize that. Those plans may change when and if she goes to England. <laughs> but as of right now, I have no plans. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to put guards outside. <laughs> All right. Toodles. <laughs> what, that kit?